I'm Jeremy Bauer. I'm one of the pastors here at Countryside Covenant Church. A, a few weeks ago, I was doing a devotion with my boys uh, on their, their favorite devotion, uh, which is from Veggie Tales. And uh, next slide. There we go. Um, why is it delayed over here? So I haven't used this forever. So it, will it just eventually change or do I push play? Oh, okay. It's still on the kids dismissed. All right, whatever. I messed up, I guess the slides got messed up last time uh, too, and I'm just trying to, trying to recover from that. <laughs> so in this devotion at the end, uh, from what I gathered from what the devotion was saying in the scripture passage, I told my boy this, boys this metaphor, and I told them, I don't ever want you to forget this. It's important. And so I will tell all of you the story that I told all of them, and then you are free to go. Okay? So here it is. At the end, I said, boys, how big is the rear view mirror in the car? And they said, it's pretty small. I said, yeah, it is. And, and how big is the windshield of the car? I said, well, it, it's, it's, it's a lot bigger. It's, it's big. And I said, it's, be, it's big because where you are going is more important than where you've been. And I always want you to remember this, is that this is how God thinks of you as well. That what is ahead and where God is taking you is more important than the things in the past. That's why the rearview mirror is so small. Not that the things are unimportant because then there would be no mirror. But that where you are going and what is most, uh, most important, I already said that, is what's ahead of us. And so, go back and read Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 21, but that's it. That, that's it. Just remember that. And since you're still sitting here, um, you're wanting me to continue. Some of you are like, hey, you know, that's great. I'm, I'm checked out now, and that's okay. Uh, don't leave. Um, but for everybody else, you know, who are like, hey, this is what we pay you for, Pastor. Like, you better come up with something better than that. Okay, here we go. So, I'm glad what we read earlier was on the slides because it is in context, right? Chapter 3, starting in verse 12, is a continuation of what Paul was already talking about in the previous verses, right? His trajectory for his life and where it was and now changing to where he's going. So I want to go back starting in verse 7. Paul says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says that he is now on the right trajectory, that his faith in Christ is now where he is being led to, not from his past. He is working out his salvation with fear and trembling, which he mentioned earlier in chapter 2, verse 2. 
And so now starting in verse 12, Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I say to Paul, Paul, I have not arrived at my goal either. Folks, in this congregation, I think of you. I think of the Craig Spencers, and I think of the Dick Scars, and I look up to them and I think, man, they have memorized so much of the Bible. They, they lead men in Bible studies, and I can just tell that they have studied Scripture in and out. The Reba Beckers, the youth yaws that have immersed themselves in the study of the Bible as well, and the men's and women's Bible studies. And I'm like, wow, I hope to be able to get to a point in my life where I can know Scripture as well as they do. And then I look at the lives of the Chuck Horns and the Cynthia Swensons in our congregation, and I can just tell that God has truly transformed their lives, that every interaction that I have with them leaves me feeling encouraged because I can see how much love they have for Christ. It is shining through them in every encounter that I have. And I'm like, wow, I hope to be able to have that kind of a relationship with Christ now, but also when I get older. You know, and then I look at Pastor John. He's up here playing the drums. He can play the guitar. He can preach. He can sing. You know, he's, he's in prayer all the time. I'm like, man, am I ever going to get like that? And that's why he's varsity, right? That's why he's varsity. He can do all that. But I want all those things now. And I get jealous, not in a, not in a bad way, but in a just, wow, there are other people that have attained so much more down the road, and I hope to be able to attain those things as well. I have not arrived at my goal yet either. And now the apostle Paul says, not that I have already obtained this at my goal. In other words, Paul is probably saying, look, I know that I'm probably never going to reach this goal, the end of Christianity, which we experience in heaven at the end where we'll, there's a full perfection of holiness and wholeness, completeness. In fact, the Apostle Paul refers to himself back in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. He says, For I know that good does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For the good I want to do, I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And I'm like, Paul, this is how I feel most of the time in my life. And yet he has written a lot of the New Testament. And his words still ring true today. I find his words encouragement because I too have not reached perfection. And what he wrote in the Bible is still applicable to us today. And so, moving down to verse 13 of chapter 3, the Apostle Paul continues. He says, Brothers and sisters, I consider myself, I do not consider myself yet having taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul recognized that in his relationship in Christ, he has to keep on going. He has not yet achieved this. 
But he doesn't just think to himself, oh, you know what? I blew it again today. Man, I sinned. I screwed up. You know what? I might as well just give up. I might as well just stay on the sidelines. I'm, I'm just going to, because I'm not perfect, because I screwed up, I, just, I might as well just stay in bed all day and not deal with life. He doesn't say that. He perseveres, and he encourages the church here in Philippi. You've got to keep pressing onward, just like me. We've got to keep doing this together. Folks sitting here this morning, those of you who are joining us online, we have to continue pressing on toward that gift that we know is going to be at the end that God has laid out for us. And we can't just stay on the sidelines feeling defeated. Earlier, the Apostle Paul boasts of all the things that he could have boasted about. His background, right? He was a Jew among all other Jews. He could have been telling the church in Philippi, hey, look, guys. You've seen the school that I went to. You saw the people that I've studied under. You see, all the, you see all the letters after my name. Look, I'm a big deal, right? And look at all these things that I have that make me who I am today. But he doesn't do that. He could have relied on all of those things in his past to prop him up and boast about what he has today, but he can't. He doesn't. He tells the readers then in Christ, starting back in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ, yet to know the power of his resurrection and his participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Let's keep going, church. We're in this together. Whatever you have been focusing on on your past is less important than the trajectory God has you on. You have to begin to say like the princess in the movie Frozen, you've got to let it go. Okay? You've got to let the past go. We don't Hold on to those things, and I was almost going to start saying, we don't hold it back anymore. No, okay, I'm not going to do that. But what's in the past is in the past. God is going to use those things in our past because, again, there's a rearview mirror. But if we stay focused on that rearview mirror as we keep going down the road, we're going to miss what's ahead of us. There are examples of people that I gave earlier, and there are probably people in this congregation whom you look up to, whom you have as an encouragement in your life that serve as godly examples to you in your walk in faith. And maybe those people in your lives are those that inspire you to keep going. I certainly have those people as well. There's a, there's a saying, there's a saying uh, in some 12-step programs, and I've heard it at Celebrate Recovery a few times, and the saying is this, no matter how long you have been going down the road of recovery, the ditch is still the same distance from the center of the road as it was when you first began. 
No matter how long you have been going down the road of recovery, the ditch is still the same distance from the center of the road as it was when you first started off. In other words, at any given time, at any given moment in our Christian walks, in our faith, Satan is still there trying to knock us off. He is trying to get us to get off the road at any means possible. And he is right there trying to dissuade us. We have to be careful in taking every thought captive in our minds, making it obedient to Christ. And just like this metaphor that I shared with Kai and Joah, if we slow the car down long enough, again, you're going to see where I'm going with this metaphor. And look, don't try to read too much into it. Like, oh, what about the center line? You know, what about the little yellow lines? And so look, it's not going to work for all things, okay? So just, just follow me with what I'm saying, all right? When we start to slow down the car long enough on the road, we start to notice some of the garbage that's on the side of the road. We get to see some of the things that we could pull over for and see. Maybe those exit ramps or those advertisements that lead us off the initial path of where God has called us to. As a kid, we took road trips, okay? We took road trips. We took road trips from northeast Kansas to New Jersey, at least every other year. And we would pile in a station wagon that looked exactly like this with the fake wood paneling and all, right? Why was fake wood paneling even a thing? And it would just peel off. You weren't fooling anybody. Everybody knew it was just some nylon wrap around your car. Why we thought this was stylish in the 80s, I don't know. But there we were in the car, packed up, ready to go, with the back windows not working on a summer trip all the way to New Jersey. And my dad would say, everybody, go to the bathroom before we get in the car, because we're not stopping until we get to St. Louis. Now, St. Louis on a good day was about four hours away. But back in the 80s, the national speed limit was what? 55. You couldn't go 75 then, or at least you weren't supposed to go 75 then. And so it would take a long time. We'd finally get to St. Louis, empty our bladders, fill up the car with some gas, and press on. And my dad would say, everybody go to the bathroom. Good. We're not stopping until we get to Terre Haute, Indiana. And we're like, oh, how long is that? We don't know. You know, like kids, we don't have a concept of time, but it was another four or five hours away. And we'd get to Terre Haute, Indiana. Sometimes we'd stay there. I remember we stayed at a Holiday Inn once. It's not a plug for an advertisement. I did not get paid to say that. But we would stay there or we would press on just a little bit longer. And then the next morning, early in the morning, we'd have a quick breakfast. And we would press on to somewhere towards the eastern part of Ohio. And then go through West Virginia. And finally we would end in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Another 10-hour drive at least. And we would be able to stop there and see some family members and hang out for a day or two. And then finally get to New Jersey where we got to hang out with more family and go spend time at the beach and the boardwalk and have a good time where Jersey Shore was eventually recorded. That's where we used to hang out as kids. Pretty cool. All right. My dad's mentality. My dad's mentality was... We have a goal, we have to get there, and let's not waste any time with any distractions on the side of the road or the things that could derail us from our trip from our final destination. Who's like that when you drive, right? 
Who's, who, what dad are you, right? You've all been in that situation. Anyway, my dad had a goal and we weren't stopping for anything. And you know what? If we had bags and cups that we could use the bathroom in in our car, I'm sure he would have been fine with that too. Whatever it was to keep us, to keep going and pressing on towards that goal. Since I seem to be on this driving metaphor, let's keep going. Ah, no? Oh, shoot. That was lost on you. Okay. I want to say something about those exit ramps. Those exit ramps. Sometimes we decide to take the exit, and it is taking us away from the direction in which we should be traveling. Some of those roads that we take can lead to some pretty dark places, can lead us off track, and can bring a lot of pain into our lives. And for those of us who have gone down those roads and have come back onto the main road, we would say, well, I wouldn't necessarily change all those things in my past. Certainly, God has used them, but I don't wish anybody else to have experienced those things. And yet, God still used our backgrounds, our past, in order to bring about his glory and about his story, about his grace in our lives. And so Paul even regretted from his life, he could have stayed in the past. He could have said, look, I'm a terrible person and I'm going to stay there. And here was what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in 9 through 11. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me is not without effect. He says, No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was within me or with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you have believed. God still uses those experiences from our past, but he uses them for our glory because he is more concerned about where we are going rather than where we have been. Some of those roads have been blocked And so we've taken a detour sign. Those detours that have popped up along the road and have got us off track, those are not of our choice. Those are things perhaps God has put in and saying, you know what, I know that you are headed down this direction. I need you to take this detour because I need this to happen. It's going to get you where you're supposed to be going. You're going where I asked you to go, but I'm going to take you in a different route now. And some of those places can feel Scary. They can feel uncomfortable because we haven't been able to see where we were going before, and now it's a different new route, and and we're trying to figure out how to navigate that in our lives. Those detours are out of our control, but those exits, those are within our control. In fact, some of those exit signs that we think look pretty great because there's an element of truth in it, are actually going to deceive us. Some of those signs are like, hey, exit here, look what we have to offer. In fact, there's a little bit of truth sprinkled into it, but it's actually a lie. In fact, there are people that are going to try to deceive you and us and me, we, all of us, in this life. 
So in verse 18, Paul says, For I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. There are people in this world who seek to destroy Christ and his church, and sometimes they can be more cunning than others. And they have signs along the road that have these nice advertisements that say, Exit here. Look at this delicious cheeseburger that you can enjoy. Look at this delicious hot piping pizza or this sandwich that is delicious looking. And then you exit because you believe the lie of which you were promised on this sign. And you open up and unwrap your burger. And you're like, this doesn't even resemble anything remotely close to what was on the sign or what's on the picture when you ordered it. It's just a cheap, crappy imitation and you're going to pay for it. In fact, you did pay for it. You're not going to get your money back. You've lost out. And not only did you eat something crappy, it's taken time from your destination when you should have been rolling out that way. But you didn't. You exit. You believed a lie. Let's be honest. Some of those signs do not have the full disclosure on their business saying, hey, this is just a... um, it's just, just an impression of what we're going to offer you, right? This does, you know, like when you buy the cereal and it says um, enhanced for your photo or like enhanced so that you can see the texture of the cereal. And you're like, you're telling me the flakes weren't that big? You're telling me the marshmallows and Lucky Charms aren't that big? You got to be kidding me, right? Anyway, they entice you with a message that sounds like it could be true, but in the end, they really just want you to buy what they have. They are more concerned with personal gain, fulfilling the desires of their stomachs and their eyes. They are prideful and arrogant and seek to get praise from others. That's a little convicting for me too. But our citizenship is in heaven, starting in verse 20. He says, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power enables him to bring everything under his control and will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This resurrection that Paul mentioned earlier in verse 10 and 11, he is now pressing on towards because he concludes in verse 21 that Paul recognized that he was still on earth. He still had a journey to travel. His journey was not over. He still had purpose. He had to keep going. In fact, he didn't get caught up in all of those things in his past, although he could have. He could have relied on all those things in his past. In fact, those things in his past, God used to equip his ministry. This guy was trained in the law. Don't you think that might have been helpful in the ministry that he was providing? He could translate from what was happening in the law now to these Gentiles that had absolutely no idea what he was referring to. And so he used that. But Paul pressed on with his foot pressed onto the gas, continuing to go in the direction that God was calling him. He threw off everything else 
that was going to hinder him. And we find that from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the run or the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured on the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. We here are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses as well. The saints around us here who are fixing their eyes on the cross are not doing it to shame us. They're doing it as an encouragement to us, knowing that we can keep going. There are other people that are doing it, and we can join them, and we can all be on that road, that trajectory, going to where Christ has called us. We can look back at our past, occasionally checking to see what's back there, because we don't want to get derailed from the things that are ahead, right? And so, God is more concerned about where we are going rather than where we've been. So, let me ask you some questions this morning. Are you pressing on in the direction that God has called you to live? Are you on the right road right now that God has laid out for you? Are you driving a little bit more slowly Are you noticing the trash along the side of the road, maybe paying a little bit too much attention to the rearview mirror, or those advertisements that are seeking to get you to exit those roads? Are you on another road right now that is filled with confusion, pain, anger, frustration? Are you on the exit ramp? trying to figure out how to get back on the main road. Are you in the ditch right now? Are you needing help getting pulled out of the ditch? Have you just come out of the ditch and are ready to get back on the right track? Wherever you are right now, we can trust God's words to us and be encouraged by the Apostle Paul telling us to press onward, right? Continue pressing on. We have not yet achieved our goal, but we will get there together. We're going to experience this grand celebration at the very end of our destination, and so let's continue pressing on towards that prize. Let's pray. God, in your infinite wisdom, glory, and honor, we recognize that we fall short day in and day out. God, that we have sometimes taken those exit ramps. Some of us are on those exit ramps. Some of us are in the ditch. God, we've all been at those places before. We know that pain and we know that hurt. And God, we know the glorious experiences that we have when we are doing exactly what you have asked us to do, being exactly where you've asked us to be. God, we trust that you will make all things right if we surrender to your will. You are the perfecter of faith. And we glorify you. And we need your help as we continue pressing onwards on that road that you have called us. Amen.